Hello, everyone. Good morning or good evening. And welcome back to the High Energy Woman online event, where our vision here is to help women step into their power to heal, to supercharge your energy, and to break free from feeling burnt out. We really hope that this conversation today will inspire you to take action, to live life with more passion, more purpose for the things that are meaningful to you. Today, I couldn't be more excited to highlight Ronnie Landis. A little bit about Ronnie. Uh, Ronnie is a leading expert in holistic health, natural nutrition, and human potential. He is powerfully, he powerfully supports driven entrepreneurs, athletes, performers, executives, and influencers to perform at their best mentally, emotionally, and physically. And I have to say his bio is a little short, but there is he has a very, very long, interesting, very great story. So uh, welcome, Ronnie. I'm so glad to be uh, chatting with you today. Thank you for happy, having me. Really excited to be with you. Good, good. Yeah, me too. I always like to start the interview with, um, you know, if, if you could give us a little brief intro um, of your personal story that led you to do the work that you do today. Okay, sure. Yeah, there, there's a lot of different kind of uh, <clears throat> milestones to that story. So basically, long story short, I've been an athlete and a martial artist all my life since I was four years old. And um, I was competing and teaching as a martial arts instructor and a full-time competitive Taekwondo um, competitor. And so my, my dream was always to go to the Olympics. And that was my life, you know, that that was like sports performance and martial arts. That was really the consuming force in my life. And then when I was 18 years old, I had my first knee injury. And so I tore a piece of my MCL from overtraining. And then that was the first time that I really had an injury that sidelined me for a while and where I wasn't able to train through it, to work through it. I, I had to kind of pull back on my physical training and that got me into the art of rehabilitation therapy, um, corrective exercise therapy, changing from more of kind of this overt young focus type of training and then getting into rehabilitative training and learning how to rebuild the body and heal the body um, through exercise, but it being very different than the more performative based exercise that I was focused on before. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of like the first piece of the puzzle. Um, I started really adapting my nutrition um, more towards raw living foods and getting into more of a vegetarian um, vegan ish type of diet, really like becoming a raw foodist for a number of years and going down that pathway. And, and that really allowed me to heal my knees very quickly. There's a lot of details that I'm leaving out. I actually had another knee surgery when I was uh, 22 or 23. So a number of years later, had to go through that process of healing and rehabbing it. Mm -hmm. um, and then that's when I got into more of the nutritional aspect. Before it was really just sports performance, just, just you know, the typical kind of like, um, you know, whey protein, sports performance, kind of, um, you know, kind of, maybe. 
Yeah, yeah, just like the very like cookie cutter stuff that you get yeah. into as an athlete when you're you're first getting into all this. And then it just started to unpack itself as I got deeper and deeper and then going on YouTube University and really exposing myself to more of a broad spectrum of what was out there when it came to alternative health and nutritional protocols, different type of dietary ideas, theories, um, you know, just really learning what real food was like getting into organic food and then eventually raw foods and superfoods and then into herbalism and different like designer supplements and you know and then it just it just opened itself up um in a really powerful way long story short um there was a point in my life where i decided to change from being a professional athlete and become a professional nutritionist and then I also became a professional speaker and author as kind of a pairing to that, that path. And that was about 12 or 13 years ago that that, that, um, that path opened up for me. And it's really just been my all-consuming obsession and my passion. And it's, it's integrated so many different things along the way. But that's kind of how it started. Yeah, that's amazing. It's it's funny how uh, it, it seems like a lot of the, the starting transition point, uh, you know, for 20 year olds or whatever is kind of in the fitness, uh, maybe workout arena, especially for, you know, males, but for females okay. too, and that it kind of transitions to, you know, maybe a more holistic kind of viewpoint of, um, of oh, health. Yeah. So, and I think it, it's really, you can combine both of them. So I think sometimes people miss the boat. They do think, think it's like one or the other, but you really can combine both of them. So. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And, and you really should. And, mm -hmm. you know, in this day and age, you really have to, um, for differing reasons, especially as we talk about like women's health and metabolism and hormones and the difference when you're 20 years old versus when you're 30 years old. And then as you get older, things change. Mm -hmm. And, um, and yeah, there's, there's so many pieces to that. But it, I, I think you're right. Like when you're when you're younger, you have a certain sense of, of your youthful vigor and you can get away with way more indiscretions depending on your metabolism, your hormones, your, your genetics, mm. you know, these different things, you can get a false sense of what it feels like to be like vitally healthy, even though maybe you're not truly fully healthy, but you have the ability to supersede some of the, the, indiscretions that are happening but when you become when you actually when you have a knee not a knee injury but when you have an injury of any kind that actually becomes the thing you know when you're younger you can heal these things much quicker mm -hmm. but over the course of time and if you don't take care of your body then it actually becomes a lot harder and that's for most of us i think that's when we start to become more aware of our uh you know, where we are biologically. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I, I really love your kind of philosophy on food and nutrition. Um, it's a big, it's a big topic, but, um, you know, as we're talking about, you know, what you do in your younger years, you know, 20, you know, and then as you get older, I think also too, it's almost like a, an accumulation problem, right? So you're not aware of non-organic food or glyphosate or, you know, stuff in the air or, you know, and so it's like, it builds up some accumulation problems. So you have a really, really interesting philosophy on that in regards to food as medicine and cleansing as a lifestyle. Uh -huh. So what's your philosophy on that? 
Yeah, well, I mean, um, you know, it's a little bit general, but I, I get where you're going. And, and what you're kind of pointing to is the bioaccumulation of, you know, these exogenous toxins in our environment and our food, the glyphosate, the genetically modified organisms, the, the you know, PCBs, phthalates, these plastic particulates mm -hmm. that are in plastic bottled water or pesticides of all kinds that are really sprayed throughout all these crops that are making their way through even organic fields of, of you know, organic orchards and crops and this kind of thing. Um, you know, and there's like, there's 70 other things that you could, you could identifiably mention as far as like the toxins in our environment. So we won't go through all of it, but just understand that like our bodies are bioaccumulating all these things through the course of our life. When we're younger, we have a better ability to detox and eliminate these things. As we get older and we do more dances around the sun, <laughs> then we're less able to detoxify it through our liver and our other organs. And then if, you know, fully eliminated. So these things actually get stored in our body. And what ends up happening is that our body creates fat deposits as a way to buffer these foreign toxins to buffer them from going into the blood system because then they become bioreactive. That's when people have like a, a healing crisis um, or like the onset of some sort of disease, the symptoms start to ramp up is when the body is no longer able to buffer these toxins from the system. So when you see people that they start to um, gain weight very rapidly or they can't get the weight off no matter what they do, that's a, a bioaccumulation of toxicity problem primarily. There's other things that we could point to for sure, but that's basically what it is. So the body will create fat deposits and it will use these deposits to store these toxins in them to like encapsulate them to buffer from going deeper into the systemic um, or to the system of the body, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm, um, completely. So the, mm -hmm. And I, I think that's a really interesting just perspective for people to understand around toxicity, some of the symptoms and signs of it, um, hormonal issues that can arise because of it. We could get into all this stuff a little bit more if you want, but I just want to point that out since you mentioned the accumulation problem. Now, the question is, okay, what do we do about that? <laughs> One of the things we have to do is we have to get way back to the basics, right? We have to get back to food. We, we're in like a health culture, health influencer culture right now that really doesn't have a full direction or it doesn't really know where it's going because you have so many different people that are um, identifying with all these different dietary camps, dietary theories. It seems like it switches every other year with different people. Oh, I tried this thing. I tried the ketogenic thing. I was a big proponent of that, but now I've switched over to, you know, I'm vegan now. Okay. Now I'm doing the vegan thing, or it was, I was vegan for 10 years, but now I'm doing the carnivore thing or, you know, it's like, so, and, and there's nothing wrong with any of that. That's all part of the process of of experimentation, right? But the problem is everybody's confused. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, nobody really knows what to eat. Right, for their own individuality. 
<laughs> yeah, one hundred percent. And and your own individuality does change over the course of time because you change. You're not the same person biologically that you were when you're 20, when you're 30, 40, especially when you get into your late 30s and 40s and beyond. We have seasons and cycles, right? Our metabolism is cyclical. Our hormones are cyclical. But one of the problems is that because we're so intellectually driven, we're trying to find the magic formula that we can now do for the rest of our life. Mm -hmm. and, and that's going to be the thing like, okay, I got this thing figured out and I don't need to think about it again. And so there's just a lot of confusion out there in the nutrition world. My whole philosophy has always been food first, no matter what the health issue is that you face. Now, nutrition alone isn't going to solve everybody's health issues, but I can guarantee that most people, if not all people got into their health issues directly related to food and lifestyle. Mm -hmm. So we have to retrace our steps, reverse engineer our issue and come back to the beginning. And food is always the place we start with. Mm -hmm. I couldn't agree more. I love how your philosophy is very Ayurvedic, you know, like in nature about the unique constitutions or individuality, sure. you know, they say of, of people, but, um, and, you know, also there's different C, there's a seasonality, right? You know, what you need at a certain time in your life or what, you know, even what the elements are doing out, you know, outside, is no, it winter? Really. Um, so I, I love that. It's, it's, it's your own spin on an Ayurvedic technique that I use all the time. So that's great. Yeah, that, that's great. Yeah. You, uh, let's talk a little bit about the bio-individuality and, um, the, you know, the diet dogma, but also um, what you, you know, people don't really know about this oxidation um, about um, metabolic typing. So can you go into that? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, biological individuality is the term. There's a great book. I think it was put out maybe in the sixties or seventies. One of those like very classic kind of like old school health books that nobody nowadays knows anything about, but they know the principles, they know the ideas. And the book is called Biological Individuality. It basically is metabolic typing. So for people that are familiar with that, metabolic typing is essentially this idea that each person has a unique metabolic type or a metabolic signature. And that signature is built inside of you. It's genetic, it's hormonal, it's, it's, neurological. It has a lot to do with how your nervous system is functioning. So some people run more parasympathetic. Some people run more sympathetic. Some people run kind of more in the middle of those two um, mm -hmm. nervous system states, right? When I say sympathetic, most people think of stress and cortisol and mm -hmm. it has a negative connotation. It's it really, from a Chinese medicine perspective, it's more of a yang-based constitution. Some people are just more um, active, like me, just have more energy, you just, or, or you're an athlete. Like you naturally have a proclivity towards more activity, action-based things. You have more energy, you wanna get up and go and that kind of thing. So it, maybe you do better with stimulants than somebody who's parasympathetic and they don't do very well with stimulants because their nervous system needs a lot more downtime, a lot mm -hmm. more down regulation. That's kind of, a, kind of an idea. When it comes to food and nutrition, 
basically, you know, what it means is that um, oxidizers, oxidizer basically meaning like how you oxidize your food or how you burn calories in your system. And some people are going to run more um, using this example of sympathetic, parasympathetic. Some people are going to be more fast oxidizers and some people are going to be more slow oxidizers. Fast oxidizers just mean that they produce more energy more readily from the calories that they're taking in and they move through those calories quicker. Mm-hmm. So they have a fast metabolism. Some people are slow oxidizers. So they slowly burn through those calories and it takes them a little bit longer to fully process. And that's a great word to use metabolize process. Like some people, they get an idea or they get information, they process it very quickly and they can implement and move forward. Some people need time to process. And I'm sure we've all heard that like, whoa, okay, okay, I get it. Give me some time to process this and then I'll get back to you. Mm. Um, that's like a human design kind of thing, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I love yeah, that. The, it's like the macro, yeah. the, the micro is the macro, right? Or, or vice versa. <laughs> yeah, this actually blew my mind. Um, it's really cool that I'm getting to talk about this, but this this idea kind of blew my mind when I studied all these different disciplines of like just understanding the human condition, the human experience from a psychological and physical perspective. It's interesting to see how they all overlap. So when you study human design, which is essentially the design of your, or it's it's the study of your unique human signature as a psychological and physiological being, right? Mm -hmm. And then we're talking about metabolic typing, which is the study of your metabolic design. And then when you get into like Chinese medicine, it overlaps as well. When you get into the constitutions, and all, so I'm just tying together a few different ideas to show you, basically, they're all, excuse me, they're all saying the same thing, which just proves out the point that every single person is highly unique. Mm. So that, that's the main point I'm getting at with this whole riff is that each human being is totally unique and how you process energy, whether it's from food, it's from uh, maybe audio audibly from music or listening to a podcast or, or watching or listening to this video. Some people are going to get this right away. <laughs> some people are going to get something, but they need to go back over it and to take it in again to fully get it right. Same thing with your food. So just notice, I'm going to, this, I'm going to tie this together real quick and complete this, this thought process. Um, notice how you feel after you eat a meal. And then notice what type of meal that you ate and how you felt with it, because one of the ways that you can determine where you are on this scale is that some people do better with a higher fat-based diet. And this is actually going to be a larger percentage of the population. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you know Gabriel Cousins. He was a mentor of mine and, and someone I've, I've done about four podcasts with, um, he wrote a, a a nice endorsement for one of my books and um, which I was really honored by. And um, just someone I've, I've just had so much respect for. I mentioned him because he actually is quoted to say that 70% of the Western population actually is a fast metabolizer. 
meaning that they're going to run better on a higher fat-based diet than a carbohydrate-based mm -hmm. diet. Now, so this, you can see where it's problematic when somebody, let's say, um, I guess from a, a raw vegan perspective, it's like the 80-10-10 thing. It's like the, the fruitarian, high fruit, low fat, low protein. That may work well, most likely short term, but that may work well for some people because their constitution works better with that. It can deal with that better. Mm -hmm. But that's not going to be the case for most people. Now, if you zoom out of that subculture, which is very niche culture, the raw mm -hmm. vegan culture, you zoom out and go macro, and then you look at what most people are doing, then it's going to it's gonna look a little bit different as far as the type of foods, but then there, it's still going to be kind of this carbohydrate um, type of approach, and that's going to work better for some people. That, 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 those are people that tend to gravitate towards a vegan diet, by the way. Mm -hmm. Like you see people that are long-term vegans or vegetarians um, and, have, and have done really well on that and promote that long-term, that actually is going to be that segment of the population in the diet world. Mm -hmm. Most people though, end up shifting out. Like after 10 years, I, I stopped being a vegetarian. This was two years ago and then had to reintroduce animal products because my body, I didn't even really want to, this was not something I was actually planning to do. It was something that my body told me through kind of a shamanic experience. And it was like, uh, and it was like, okay, you actually have to shift. You have to ch change what you're doing. And I ran an experiment and it was like, I mean, that's a whole, that's a whole podcast in of itself, but it, it showed me, okay, like, I've been running this 10 year on and off vegetarian, three and a half years, all raw, different type of, you know, protocol. I've done this to the best of anyone's ability. I've ran all the different various experiments and I was really, really vital and healthy for a long time. And now for whatever reason, my body is telling me that it needs to switch to a higher fat and different form of protein type of diet for a certain period of time. And that's, and that's really important. I know I'm kind of riffing a lot here, but this is really important for a certain period of time. There's nothing is forever. Yeah. This is really, really important that we get this. Nothing is all the time. You have short-term therapeutic type of approaches like cleansing and detoxing. You don't do that forever. You don't take the activated charcoal for your whole life. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or, yeah, or do a, yeah. Or do a juice fast or, you know, something like that every day. Eventually, ideally what ends up happening is that you, you do that for a while and then you implement those tools into your daily life. Mm -hmm. So maybe it's like, okay, I have a juice every day. If that feels good. Right. Like I have some, some detox protocols that I do every day because I'm always, I'm always just cleaning and recycling, but I'm also rebuilding. Mm -hmm. So then the other part is like, there's a season for rebuilding and restructuring my body and my brain and my nervous system and all the things. Mm -hmm. So um, those are a lot of different ideas. I don't know if I fully finished the point. I think I did just to make this example that some people are going to run better on carbohydrates. Some people are going to run better on fat. And then most people are going to be kind of a subdivision. 
eventually over the course of our life, we don't just stay with one or the other because those are the extremes. We mm -hmm. want to integrate the extremes over time. And then it just kind of becomes more balanced where you don't have to be so analytical about it. You actually just gravitate towards what feels good and what makes sense mm -hmm. and what your body just produces energy on. Yeah. Gosh, there's so many things. I love that. We're actually having a speaker um, following you who talks about human design. So it's super interesting you brought That's that so up. Cool. That's yeah. So cool. Yeah. And uh, the other thing I wanted to mention is um, it's it's really interesting, um, like you said, about the diet dogma. And I, I don't think really anybody really knows how to find out if they're a fast oxidizer or a slow oxidizer. I know when I was start, starting out on this, I did the niacin kind of flush to see if I was uh -huh. a fast oxidizer, which I am. Um, is there any other tools you use to, to have or to help people find out what type of oxidation they run on? Sure. Um, it's, it's interesting. And I mean, there, there are tests, there are actual like metabolic testing tests out there that you could, you could look up. Um, I don't, I, you know, these are things that I talk about, but it's not, I don't run people through these particular tests. Yeah. Um, however, I'm more of kind of a, an experiment and test it for yourself. Mm -hmm. There's no like mineral hair analysis test or gut microbiome test that you can do for this. This is something that you kind of, you, you kind of have to figure out by trial and success. Mm -hmm. um, the first step is just understanding the concept, you know, first of all, because once you understand the concept, all of a sudden you can start to make sense if maybe you've been eating a certain way and it's either working for you or it's not working for you, or maybe you're, you're miscombining different food groups mm -hmm. like carbohydrates and fats, and you're mixing those up too much, or maybe too much protein, um, whatever the deal may be, you're mixing the stuff up a little too much and you're getting bloated. You're, you're losing energy, even though theoretically it's like, I'm putting all these amazing things together. I should feel better. It could be a food combining issue as well. Mm -hmm. um, so I think you, you kind of have to run the experiment. What I'd recommend people do is they, they research the concept of metabolic typing or, um, or fast oxidizers, slow oxidizers. They, no, sorry, there's some noise in the background. Um, they, they research that topic just enough to get a little more detailed on how to run that experiment based on the foods that they already eat. Mm -hmm. um, one thing that I think is helpful too, is that you can really tell by your activity levels. You can tell by the natural energy that you have, like just that, that you just have naturally genetically, like, um, you know, in Chinese medicine, they would call this like Jing, like just this, mm -hmm. this type of energy that you have, that's just natural and innate to you. Um, so the, the, you know, I, these are things that, it, you know, for example, like, do you, are you the type of person that needs to rest more? Or are you the type of person that needs less rest? Mm -hmm. Those are, those are little indications to kind of guide you in your food. You're kind of determining where you are on that. Yeah. yeah. I think that's, I think years ago, I think, um, I don't know, I got my hands on, um, a, a test or something from Dr. Cousins. He has like a fast oxidizer test and okay. yeah. very similar to what you said. It's just, it's just lifestyle things, right? It's not like a, a blood test or 
um, you know, it's very intuitive, just like you said, but gosh, that was a long time ago, but, um, so that's, yeah, that's, that's ages ago. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I, I love how you kind of bring in cleansing as a lifestyle, but also, um, you know, making sure people aren't super, so, so depleted that, you know, cause some people can't detox they're too depleted. So how do you, can, how do you intertwine or combine, um, like nutrients, um, with cleansing? Um, oh yeah. I mean, kind of just what I was getting at before is like, okay. So in the first part of your day, the morning waking cycle, your body is in more of a catabolic state, right? So basically what that means is that it's more in a, in a, a detoxification cleansing mm. mode, if you will. And so this is why breakfast is not really the greatest idea because it immediately, when you eat calories, it stops that, that, um, cellular or metabolic cleansing process, or it inhibits it at the very least. Mm -hmm. And so once you have to start digesting food and going through that whole process. So what I recommend for people is they, their basic cleansing in the morning can simply be like an intermittent fasting approach. And that can be something as like one liter of spring water first thing in the morning. I recommend putting like one fourth teaspoon of sea salt into it. And so you're doing, so you're starting with a liter of water, mm -hmm. right? Nature's solution to pollution is dilution. Solution. Yeah. 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 <laughs> had to bring some of those back. <laughs> and um, Sorry, I interrupted, so, so, but that's great. You guys need that's a good one to remember. Nature's solution. Yeah, it's, to just, it's, it's, such, it's just such a great quote to remember. Nature's solution to pollution is dilution. So it's always about diluting the the storages or the toxins or whatever it is that's building up in the body. What does that mean? Okay, I need to drink more water. I need to drink more juices. I need to drink more liquids. If I'm feeling backed up, I need to stop eating physical food and I need to start taking in more liquids to dilute the, the issue. Mm -hmm. That's where most people are. Most people are not hydrated enough. Um, the water that they're drinking is of you know questionable quality and their body just is not um, saturating itself. So we get these signals like we're hungry, but it actually might be that we're really dehydrated, we're demineralized, and we're thirsty. But you know, we're getting this mixed message, and we're maybe we're feeding some sort of like food craving or candida or whatever it may be. And so we're not actually getting the right read on it. So mm -hmm. what I'd recommend, just on that note, I'd recommend anytime you think you're hungry, drink a glass of water, wait 20 minutes and then see if you're still hungry. Mm -hmm. uh, that's a great rule of thumb. Yeah, it, yeah, that is yeah. a great rule of thumb. And, and I really wanna bring that kind of back because a lot of women are struggling with, um, with weight loss and they're just kind of driving in the gym, right? They just think calories in, calories out. Right. And like you had said, actually storing that weight in body fat is protecting them from dying. So- yes it's a really great thing for a switch in women's mind to think, you know, the weight, the, the weight loss thing could just be a toxin issue versus calories in calories out. So 100, that's a great, I'm glad you brought that point up because that'll, that'll help tie into this original point. Mm -hmm. Um, and by the way, I want to make this point for women in particular, 
So one of the biggest issues for women metabolically, hormonally, and otherwise is stress. Women are not designed to endure the amount of stress that men do. Not, not even close, you know, like women are, yeah, not even close. Like men are supposed to be 10 times more testosterogenic than women are. Mm. And we have, and it's like getting, it's becoming inverted in our society. There's a lot of different, you know, speculation reasons for that, but the actual testosterone um, that, that a lot of women are running or producing for various reasons is much more than they should be in a span of a day, maybe in those little bursts or because, you know, it's a very different world than it used to be. And so there's a lot of like adaptations that we're all making mm -hmm. to adapt to the, the, the kind of emerging world, whether it's the workplace or it's home life situation, or it's the toxins in our environment, or it's just the amount of stress that we're all dealing with that is very different than it used to be. It's kind mm -hmm. of unprecedented. So here's why I mentioned that. Um, women, the biggest, the biggest challenge for women overall is going to be stress and cortisol, adrenaline and cortisol. Um, th this is the biggest issue. I mean, it's the biggest issue for everybody, but women just are not as adapted as men at being able to endure um, because they're not designed to. The one, the one period in a woman's cycle is a nine-month cycle where they're creating a baby and going through the conception process. It's concentrated. It's not for the whole time. It's for specific windows that, or, you know, if, if a, a mother saves their child and all of a sudden gets all this adrenaline pumped through the system to, you know, the classic examples to lift a car. I've never actually seen that. I don't know if that's actually true, but apparently it is, or, you know, whatever, whatever the, the superhuman right. Right. is, that's a micro moment in time. Mm -hmm. Right. And then you, then it's like discharge, like an animal would discharging all the stress and releasing it from the system. But most of us are, are, are actually accumulating more stress and distress and adrenaline and cortisol. And, you know, one of the reasons a lot of women are having a hard time losing weight is that a they might be working out way too much mm -hmm. they might be working out at the wrong time of the day or evening for them they may not be getting a lot of sleep because they have too much cortisol running through their system and so they're not able to down regulate release the stress come back into balance and then actually get an effective nights of sleep let alone you know every night. Mm -hmm. um, and then you have your diet, you have toxicity, you have whatever the other issues are going on. I want to mention that because if somebody can get a handle on their stress load and change the things in their life that they need to, to minimize the stress, increase the inspiration, um, and, and, you know, do those basic things. Then when you go to the gym, you go to the gym because you enjoy working out mm -hmm. because you want to work out, not because it's attached to a fear that you have to go in order to lose weight mm -hmm. because that in itself is creating more stress. And although you're burning calories, you're also potentially creating more fat deposits because of the increase in cortisol.
Yeah. So I'm thinking of while you're speaking, the sympathetic nervous system versus, you know, the rest and digest parasympathetic nervous system. That's right. Yeah. You know, and uh, yeah, that's such an amazing switch. And you really brought up some really great things. I love where this is going um, because we're here to try to help women. Even since COVID, it's been crazy. You know, women have had so much more burnout. And you talked a little bit about kind of resilience, right? Like how do we, the stress, but how do we create resilience? And I know you're into herbs and adaptogens. So what would you say are some good strategies to kind of help women with, um, you know, create kind of a bigger shield and and more, and more resilience? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. I mean, everything that we just said is like, you know, definitely part and parcel to that managing stress, dispelling stress, releasing it, um, you know, eliminating the things that are creating stress. If you're, if you're like, you can't sleep at night, you have insomnia or sleep apnea, you're taking all this melatonin, 5-HTP, these different, you know, valerian, these different like calming herbs, magnesium, and none of it's working. Then the question you have to ask yourself is, okay, well, what is it that's keeping me up at night? Right? Is it just a neurochemical imbalance? Sure. Yeah. That, I mean, that everybody, everyone's dealing with that. That's, that's, mm-hmm. that's, you know, that is a factor in it for sure. What I'm saying is though, if you're addressing those pieces and it's still not either helping or it's not fully um, fulfilling that, that issue, then it's more psycho-emotional based. And you mm-hmm. have to take a look at that and wonder, okay, well, what are the thoughts rolling through my head every night? Mm-hmm. Do I have an, a nighttime integration ritual, which could be just like meditating, journaling, some very light, calming breath work, mm-hmm. um, you know, some sort of guided meditation, maybe it's connection with my partner, um, you know, maybe we're out of sync. So maybe we need to create more connection and coherence with, you know, a loved one or my family, mm-hmm. um, you know, all these kind of things. I I think one of the, what's coming up in this is that one of the really helpful things is that we need to structure our day-to-day life. We can't just leave it to chance because then our energy gets very scattered Mm -hmm. and we're trying to toggle between 20 different things throughout the day. And that's actually why people are exhausted. Mm-hmm. And that's actually one of the biggest reasons why people are, are mentally, emotionally, and physically exhausted is because they don't have a clear line of focus throughout their day, like a channel of energy focusing throughout the day. They're kind of, they're doing one thing, but then they go here and then it goes here and they're juggling and the, and it just becomes kind of chaotic. Mm-hmm. And that's just creating more of that distress in the body. So w- what I'm saying is that if you can create more order in your day and prioritize the things that are going to serve and support you, your self-care rituals, your exercise rituals, your, um, you know, the different types of integration practices, whatever your, your work life, home life looks like, building these things into your daily schedule is really, really important. Um, and then when you go to bed, having like a nighttime ritual, mm-hmm. you know, don't, don't just leave it up to chance. Like, I hope I go to sleep tonight. We'll see. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's see what happens. <laughs> like actually having a ritual, yeah. turning off 
the Wi-Fi, turning off the phone, all digital devices, dimming the lights in the house, putting on candles preferably. Um, maybe you start to read a book. Maybe you journal. Um, going into kind of more of a semi-mystical state, because especially the feminine energy in particular really likes that. You know, when a woman can really be in her feminine energy, I mean, that's a whole thing in of itself, but that's essentially what I'm kind of driving at, actually, when I mentioned the, the too much testosterone, really that's too much masculine energy that is not balanced. And so women don't know how to relax because they've had to become maladapted to this masculine world for you know, mm -hmm. all the trauma and relational trauma and father trauma and mother trauma and all the things that we all deal with. But women kind of get this extra load um, you know, for many different reasons. So I just, I'm just trying to speak to that in the best way possible. Mm -hmm. And so circling all back to the original point, if you can create that evening ritual for yourself as a woman, it will actually help you drop back into your feminine energy and become more progesterogenic and estrogenic in the right way and soften your get into things that help you soften maybe it's that bath that that bath ritual with essential oils and rosebuds or rose oil or whatever whatever y'all like to do um, <laughs> you know what it is for you right magnesium epsom salt yeah um, those lit you know whatever brings you back into that energy is gonna be that that's what you want to start start implementing back into your your ritual and if you can start to make that a consistent routine that that's going to be monumental i think i just love that you just said that and i love that you said that coming from a man um because nobody's yet talked about that um and it is so important as women to have this container right instead of be constantly in driving mode and um, you know, women are really have a subtle, a subtleness to them. And I think even since COVID, you know, since everybody's been home, kids are home, everybody's working from home. Um, it's really created a lot of chaos in the mind first, I uh -huh. think. Uh -huh. And that's pushed women outside of their subtle and their soft and um, <laughs> made them very hard. Yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> So it, it also reminds me too of when women are just constantly driving in the gym, driving, driving, driving every day. And not only does it create systemic inflammation, but it's, you know, creating this hard, this hardness. Yeah. I know. It's interesting you say that. Cause I mean, I've noticed that in the gym, you know, not just because of COVID, but in general, like there's, there's different types of, you know, everyone's kind of got a different attitude and a gym is kind of a place, you know, ideally you go with a purpose. Mm -hmm. um, some people it's social hour for some of us, it's actually like a focused training, you know, intent. And I I've seen a lot of women that are kind of do have that kind of like, like closed and are like, you know, laser focused um, and kind of have that do not enter sign. And I mean, I, I get it though, because you probably, you probably, as a woman, I would imagine you probably need that. Otherwise, maybe you're getting hit. Up. I mean, it's very, I'm just like thinking as I'm like thinking out loud, I'm thinking about the practicality of it too. Yeah. You know, yeah. from the perspective of like, what would it be like to be a woman 
in this world when everywhere you go, you're getting hit up for attention. And it's almost like you almost have to create these borders and boundaries. Otherwise you're going to get, you're going to have to like, you know, Mm -hmm. play a, play this kind of like game or put on a mask or try to navigate your way through the world, especially when dealing with men. Um, So, so it's kind of like, I'm, I I see that too. And I don't know what the answer is, but I, I get it. Yeah. I think it's having enough self-worth as a woman to um, say that it's okay to have this container to yourself. Right. Um, And, you know, even with the children too. So um, I I love how we wrapped it up. I love how we started a dive, but we really, we, we really ended with like the sacred feminine and softness and subtleness and um, tapping into, you know, your uniqueness. Um, and also tapping into the new, right? When we talk about cleansing, I always think it's like, okay, let's start anew, right? Let's start anew. Yes. Yeah. That's, so. that's the magic of cleansing. Yes. It's like, okay, today sucked. I feel like I ate that thing that I shouldn't have been eating. I drank the coffee. I know it doesn't make me feel good, but for some reason I drank it and my day just kind of went down. And But you know what? Okay, well, I can reset. Mm-hmm. that's the magic of cleansing and detoxing and these kind of things is that you always have another opportunity to reset now the key is that you have to stick with it in order to get the real the real results but mm-hmm. it only takes about five to seven days to really start to feel that magic to feel the cleanliness come on the cleanliness of mind the cleanliness of your digestive system to feel just the subtle juicy. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, like to feel juicy again, right? Yeah. And that's yeah. what happens when we eat too much food. Doesn't matter if it's the best quality food. When we eat too much food, we just lose that buoyancy, that juice. We get weighed down. We kind of like everything just feels a little more like sluggish. Mm-hmm. And that's and so every time that happens, I know like, okay, I need to actually get off food. Mm-hmm. And and I need to start going back to like water and juices and teas and in you know really great smoothies fruit you know this kind of thing and start lightening the load so i can get my juice back yes lightening the load light lightening the load with juice so you get your juice back <laughs> that's a great one that's a great one i always like to, to uh, end the interview asking um what is wellness what does wellness mean to you in your life I think wellness means it's a state of mind and it's a state of vibration, right? It's an attitude and it's also the felt experience of being well. Mm -hmm. And to me, being well is not just like the absence of disease. Although if you've had a disease and then you become well, then you'll have a really powerful like distinction. being well just means being vital, being vibrant, being happy, a feeling of fulfillment, um, maybe even a general feeling of contentment, but also feeling motivated and inspired at the same time. And that's not just a mental state, that's a physical state. Mm-hmm. Like it's very hard to have an attitude of gratitude if your body is full of pain. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's really, it really is a vibration of gratitude that's kind of like just this effervescent vibration that you feel 
that kind of comes off you and comes through you. Mm -hmm. And we can experience those moments in so many different instances. Um, most of us experience it in a moment of synchronicity or a moment of like grace or something. When like a miracle comes through, we had a stressful time, we're trying to figure out how to pay the bills, or maybe it's a moment in nature, something kind of captures our attention. That's a moment of wellness, but to really truly like have sustainable wellness is that you start to live in that place more than not. And it's just really a space of grace and, and uh, gratitude. Mm, I'm taking out of the book, Amazing Grace that I'm looking at. Over oh here. yeah, that's classic. <laughs> it classic. Is classic. I, was, I was just texting uh, Nick, Nick Good like a week ago. Funny oh, amazing. Amazing. Yeah. 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 It, it's, it was such a great interview, Ronnie. And I really, I think that women can take a lot of, a lot of good tips and tricks um, from today's conversation. And I just want to thank you so much for, uh, for being on. Beautiful. It was so much yeah. my pleasure. Thank you. Yes. Thank you.